Hello. Are you going to join us? Do you want to talk about oils? Welcome to Therapy Unwound, the space that is here for all of us to explore the wonderful world of therapeutics. I am your host, Jenny Walker, and as well as being an advanced clinical massage therapist, anatomy geek, and master's student in physical rehab, I am delighted to invite you to join us as we explore the fascinating topic this week of how massage therapy can help reduce the effects of anxiety. If you have been following along with our podcast and following us over on Instagram over the past few weeks, you will know that during this, our first series, we are reading Dr. John Deloney's book, Redefining Anxiety, what it is, what it's not, and how to get your life back. It's the short read that inspired this journey on Therapy Unwound, and if you are part of our Ko-Fi community, you will be able to listen to Sophie and I discuss the book during April. The Therapy Unwound team would like to thank all of you who are subscribing over there and making this project a weekly reality. It truly is a dream come true and we appreciate all the donations into the virtual coffee pot as we are certainly working out of hours at the moment doing the research, doing the recording and hitting the publishing deadline of 7am each Friday morning for you all. But with that said, the sun is coming through the windows right now. The daffodils are bobbing in the spring breeze. I have a fresh mug of Guatemalan coffee beside me. So I think it's time for all of us to take a deep breath and a deep dive into this week's episode. It's been a busy time at Cornerstone Therapy Studio over the past few months as I've helped my clients work through lockdown three in their rehabilitation journeys. And we've discussed the pandemic ad infinitum. We have bridged 2020 and 2021 in a very unexpected way, and I think the consensus from us all is that we're looking forward to it being over. But as I look over the treatment notes for the last few months, I certainly see that anxiety and stress have been the top of the pathology list for the past few months. Can we call them pathologies? Aren't they just feelings? I hear the medics and scientists cry from their academic ivory towers. Well, let's get really basic on this and plug the word pathology into Google and see what the oracle says. And the online dictionary says that a pathology is the condition and processes of a disease or any deviation from a healthy, normal or efficient condition. So yes, I would say that I feel anxiety can fall within the category of pathology as it causes the person suffering from it to deviate from a healthy, normal and efficient condition. However, you would be hard pressed to find any scientific study that definitely says that it causes disease. Dr. Una McCann from the Anxiety Disorders Programme at the John Hopkins Medical Centre says that the connection is strong when looking at the condition of heart disease caused by anxiety. Going on to say in her featured experts article, it's my view and my personal clinical experience that anxiety disorders can play a major role in heart disease. I believe that a really careful look at anxiety could reveal the ways it can severely impact heart disease, both as a contributing factor and an obstacle in recovery. 
So for any medical students out there who are trying to search for a medical PhD proposal, there you have it. It's important to take stock of the language used in this article. The belief she has is based on her experiential and tacit knowledge, not any empirical research. And this points us in the direction of Dr. John Deloney's work, where he has very wisely pointed out on page 14 of his short read that the oversimplified medical obsession with biological origins and solutions has proven dangerously overblown. For all the hype surrounding biology, there is still no blood tests or MRIs to even prove an anxiety diagnosis. And yet, anxiety has been lumped into the same category as cancer and type 1 diabetes. The assumption is that anxiety is just something you can get, like a cold, or something that you inherit from generations before you. We are led to believe that anxiety is a disease, a malfunction, or a broken part of our brain or body. Once you get it, or inherit anxiety, you are stuck managing it forever. This is a dangerous and frustrating lie. As a massage therapist, clinical or otherwise, it can be very frustrating to have our tacit and experiential knowledge belittled by those who will only look at research stating facts and figures to say that touch-based therapy works. I could go on ad infinitum on this topic as it's my master's dissertation theme, but suffice to say that if we go back to what doctors McCann and Deloney say here, that is exactly what we are dealing with when it comes to a diagnosis of anxiety. It is based on the patient's experience of emotion in a given set of circumstances and environments. And as Dr. John points out, although the dragon has entered the house, it doesn't have to live there and you can choose to show him the door. But although massage is still looked upon as folk medicine by some, there is actually a lot of research being published on its effectiveness, and one area of concentrated research has been done on its ability to help with anxiety. In one 2015 study in Brazil, massage and aromatherapy was carried out on hospitalised psychiatric patients suffering from personality disorders. A 20-minute seated upper back massage was carried out every other day for two weeks using lavender and geranium oils, as they are high in the ester chemical content that we were talking about in last week's sleep podcast. They are the big wings of comfort that wrap around you when you get a high-quality essential oil. The results from the study were great, and they concluded, saying... Aromatherapy massage has demonstrated effectiveness in anxiety relief, considering the decrease of heart and respiratory rates in patients diagnosed with personality disorders during psychiatric hospitalization. In 2018, Psychotherapy Online published the review by Mark Hyman Rappaport et al. entitled Massage Therapy for Psychiatric Disorders, where they state that anxiety is the ninth biggest cause of years lost in a lifetime, And it's a review of how massage therapy and psychiatry could be seen as a linked therapeutic techniques to help those suffering. The research team wisely pointed to a lack of funding that hinders massage therapy from being researched effectively for how it can change the biological state of the client. Although they did highlight the brain imaging studies from the Touch Institute in Miami that show that the parasympathetic nerve system, the one you really need to calm the heck down during an anxiety attack, is aided through massage. James Lake, MD, also points out in his Psychology Today article that it is almost impossible to study massage as getting a double blind study together is nigh on impossible and I couldn't agree with the statement more. 
But the publication that many of these guys cite and is a heavy part of my literature review for my dissertation is by Tiffany Field, MD, who published Massage Therapy Research Review in 2014. She states that there is a wide evidence base to say that massage does help with the effects of depression, stress and anxiety, as well as lowering heart rates. So where does all this lead us, Jenny, I hear you ask? It leads me personally to reflect on 21 years of practice and study of massage therapy. At the moment, if calculations are to be believed, I have racked up almost 25,000 hours at the massage couch. That's 25,000 hours of seeing my clients relax, breathe deeper and get on top of their anxiety through implementing massage therapy as a regular part of their monthly well-being routine. Massage in its absolute essence is touch. I love touch. It speaks in raucous, quiet, happy, sad, bored, confident, excited, animated, intimate, neutral, healing language. A touch from a loved one, friend or family says it all. No words are needed. I am missing receiving touch immensely through this pandemic. Touch is healing calming and stress reducing. In her paper, Keep Calm and Cuddle On, Social Touch is a Stress Buffer, India Morrison speaks of not being touched in this way. There has been growing evidence over the past few decades that involuntary separation increases the motivation for seeking proximity, providing a rubber band-like dynamic for restoring contact. I confess at this point, I put the paper down and I didn't have to ponder very much with the question posed, is there any wonder that dating app usage has increased exponentially over 2020 and into this year? However, picking the paper up, I read on as Morrison goes on to say, being away from others and outside the efficiency zone can increase the motivation for social touch and social touch can also make it more attractive to stay close in the first place. So basically stated, we are better together and right now we are all looking to be touched to make sure that we keep within our efficiency zone and I don't think she's wrong. In fact, India Morrison says that the denial of touch or the inability to get it is akin to opioid withdrawal. This means that if you are living on your own through the pandemic, as I am, and you are feeling like the bottom end of a trash can, don't worry, it's normal. It's not right it's not fair and it's not just. I personally think that questions do need to be asked with how touch was taken away and withdrawn and how that has affected our social and mental health and our overall physical health. But it is understandable that you feel rubbish. Hugs mean a lot and we need to be touched and also to give others touch regularly in healthy manners. I'm also very aware right now that if I didn't have my cats, Mr. Finchley, in my life, I would be in a padded cell. In fact, I have had clients who I've been helping through their rehab progress in the last few months who are not sure if their treatments mean more to them as the pain is decreasing or if they are being regularly touched. I would argue, and I do, that it is one in the same. My logic is this. We have cited in this podcast alone seven peer-reviewed published articles and journals that say anxiety is part of a plethora of psychiatric diagnoses and how touch and massage help reduce those cortisol-induced attacks and how oxytocin is brought into play through touch-based therapy. 
to experience physical and mental pain and then receive massage and have that pain go away is logically a finished jigsaw. The funding and the stakeholder issues are the things that are holding back definitive empirical research if you're really keen on an Excel spreadsheet to explain away what I can testify to seeing over 25,000 hours of my professional career. But research is only ever interesting if it's applicable. Otherwise, it is just the researcher's own ego fest. So how do we apply all of this knowledge into our daily lives? At Cornerstone, the studio I run and the company that produces this podcast, I see around 20 to 25 people a week. So the first and easiest application for me to say is book in for a regular massage with a trained practitioner near you who you trust. They need to be qualified to help you and they need to be licensed to work alongside your medical care team. However, this is not possible for many reasons for a huge number of people. In the industry, we often talk about the financial investment to get a massage therapist, and this is a real thing. However, as a regular receiver of massage, I am always aware that my clients put a huge amount of invested time into their recovery. A session with me is 90 minutes, and on top of that, my clients have to travel each way. They have to have a quiet time to recover from their sessions afterwards, and they need to relax. This means that time is taken out of their work and they may have to consider that for a season or that time may be taken away from their family if they've chosen to see me during a Saturday's studio session. It takes time to get well. Recovery is slow. Most people see me each week for three months and then we wind it down to once a month. But this very real time investment needs to be discussed between you and your therapist before you dig deep into the therapeutic journey. So we then look at other areas and see how we can get some massage in. And it is important here to note that we are looking for neutral healing touch that you can receive. In the eastern and southern countries and continents, it is much more culturally normative to see family members and friends comb each other's hair, hold hands without it being a romantic gesture, and massaging necks and hands as they sit on the front porch. Not so easy here in the UK, I have to say, and I don't think even my closest friend, who I love dearly, would consider any of that. Looking back over the years, there have been clients I have met who have not only gone through the therapeutic journey with me at the studio, starting with a massage a week, moving down to sessions a month, but then have decided to go and share their experience with the people they love by attending a 10-week evening massage course at their local college. They went out of their way to learn a new skill in a safe manner, and although it didn't qualify them to work as a massage therapist or give them license to, it gave them a great foundation of how to put a couch up, which oils to use, rudimentary anatomy, and how to massage someone so that they can ease the pain, restore relaxation, and help their loved ones sleep better. I have always been encouraged by this, as learning massage through reading a book or looking at online classes just doesn't hack it. Having a teacher on board to show you how to put a couch up, how to touch a person who you are massaging is invaluable, let alone managing sheets, oils, pillows, blankets, props, all the faff. But again, this doesn't help many people, although it may help a few and change their lives radically through the building of trusted relationships and a fantastic shared experience. If you are brave enough to pop self-massage into Google, I advise shielding your eyes if you are after the therapeutic version. Over lockdown one, I had a very grumpy SI joint that I had pulled through lifting a pile of books and twisting. 
It was a classic. There is a lot of examples how to get out of pain through self-massage on the web, and in all honesty, I don't think you can go far wrong with any of them. After all, we have been rubbing ourselves better since we were banging our elbows against the prehistoric cave walls. But the SI and corresponding glute pain I was going through did teach me one thing that I hadn't really thought about much before. Self-massage can help you sleep. It's that basic, and therefore it helps reduce your anxiety. This goes along with the sleep tips and tricks in the previous episode, as in the evenings I decided to employ self-massage with some arnica into my routine, as arnica helps to reduce bruising, muscle tension, helps to repair torn ligaments, and has an anti-inflammatory property to it. It also has a wonderful analgesic or pain-removing property. I added arnica soak into the bathtub. I became a personal fan of the Willida Muscle Soak and the Neil's Yard Seaweed Arnica Foaming Bath, and I'm not quite sure if they did anything or if it was just the warm water around my body that allowed the muscles to relax and ease. Either way, Finchley, my cat, was not a fan, but hey-ho, they were good for me. But after wallowing in the tub for about half an hour or more, adding hot water when needed and reading my book, I got out and used a macerated arnica oil from NHR Organic Oils. Macerated oils are really gentle as the process for making them is slow and easy. To make your own, simply get some high quality sunflower oil, not the stuff that you get in the drugstore or the supermarket, make sure you get a massage oil because that's a really high grade. And then you also need some arnica flower heads. Pop the flower heads into a large glass container, pour the sunflower over them and place sealed in a warm dark closet for around two or three weeks. Then strain the oil into another clean glass container, seal and use when needed. You can do this with rose heads, chamomile or calendula flowers, but basically the oil separates the properties of the flower heads over time and the belief is that those properties of the plants are left in the carrier oil. I can safely say that the rose oil I make each year is simply divine and even if it's just the aroma that's left in the sunflower oil, that's good enough for me. Once you have your desired oil and you really don't have to make it, there are some lovely soothing ones out there that you can buy. Simply massage it into your body. It's not rocket science. You'll know what feels good and what doesn't feel good and just go with the stuff that works. Self-massage is often a homework I give to clients who are disconnected and disassociated from their bodies. You'll know the people I mean. These are people who live in their heads a lot and don't seem to connect with their bodies. Sometimes they're the more analytical type of personality and they enjoy the mathematical rhythms of life. Or maybe they've experienced trauma and have a disconnection to their bodies. Often their emotions are packed down tight and daily massage of arms, legs, feet or hands can help them connect with what their body is trying to tell them and how they are feeling. Self-massage isn't the best for a long-time solution. I'll be honest, as there isn't a clear receiving moment from the touch as you are also doing the action or giving the touch to yourself. So see how you go and if it works for you. But if we go back to our original citation by Dr. Una McCann, she also pops into the end of her statement that she wonders if anxiety also stops recovery from coronary disease. We talk a lot about preemptive interventions on podcasts and in written form, but the recovery is not always delved into much. 
When we have looked at the biochemistry of anxiety and stress, we saw how much the body has to do in order to get out of the fight, flight and freeze responses. It takes all our physical effort to work out what is going on and how we're going to respond to the environment we find ourselves in. And anxiety is the outpouring we are experiencing. So although my thoughts may seem simplistic and I have no proof for them whatsoever, I do wonder this. If the body is doing all that work to keep us safe and secure in a perceived threat, is it any wonder that recovery is delayed? I cannot imagine that there can be much left in our tank for healing after all that fighting has been done. Massage offers you a fantastic time out. As Sophie here at Therapy Unwound often says, I always feel leaving blissed out and believe me when I say I am all here for the dopamine. But I think it is vital to acknowledge just how healing that time can be for people who are in their heads most of the time, considering the perceived dragons that they need to contend with, whether they are real or not. Neutral healing touch can reconnect you with your sense of self, help calm it all down and allow sleep to be a real thing rather than a wished for state of being each night. Clinical massage is belittled within the United Kingdom, and I'm still not sure why. It's not folk medicine or occultism. Advanced clinical massage therapists are taught to critically think and adjust, to consult and to adapt to each client that they treat. We have in-depth knowledge of anatomy and a fantastic grounding in pathologies that allow us to communicate with our medical care teams. I am convinced that we need to stop seeing massage therapy studios as modern-day witches' huts on the outskirts of town with dead bats hanging in the corners. If we want to get serious about helping people with anxiety, reducing depression and getting stress under control, touch-based therapies need to come into the healthcare space and be taken seriously, along with the social cuddles that India Morrison so delightfully points out that we all need just because a hug is an awesome thing. I want to thank you for hanging out with us today. We really enjoy sharing our work with you here at Therapy Unwound. Next week, we will be delving into the talking therapies and seeing how talking through your concerns and anxieties can help process the issues that you see around you and how professional mental health carers can help you through your journey. It is always lovely to hear from you and if you'd like to get in touch with us you will find all our contact details in the description below. Thank you for doing all the liking, the subscribing and sharing and getting this out there and we hope that you all have a great week. Enjoy the springtime freshness and we look forward to being with you again next Friday morning as we share with you the next episode of Therapy Unwound. Take care and I'll see you soon. Bye!